Hello, friend. Welcome back to the Wayfair Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. Appreciate you joining me on our chapter day journey, which finds us in Judges chapter 6. It was verses 25 through 27 that resonated with me this morning. It says, that same night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole next to it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. And using the wood of the Asher pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Today's podcast is entitled Willingness. I recently read the story of a woman named Angie Fenimore's and her near-death experience, or NDE. Her body died, and she descended to what she describes as a hell-like place. And you can read the entire story. I've got it linked on my blog post today at tomvanderwell.com. But let me just read you an excerpt. Angie Fenimore says, quote, I knew that I was in a state of hell, but this was not the typical fire and brimstone hell that I had learned about as a young child. Men and women of all ages but no children, were standing or squatting or wandering about on the realm. Some were mumbling to themselves. The darkness emanated from deep within and radiated from them in an aura that I could feel. They were completely self-absorbed, every one of them, too caught up in his, his or her own misery to engage in any mental or emotional exchange. They had the ability to connect with one another, but they were incapacitated by the darkness. But worse was my growing sense of complete aloneness. Even hearing the brunt of someone's anger, however unpleasant, is a form of tangible connection. But in this empty world, where no connections could be made, the solitude was terrifying. Then I heard a voice of awesome power, not loud, but crashing over me like a booming wave of sound. A voice that encompassed such ferocious anger that with one word it could destroy the universe and that also encompassed such potent and unwavering love that like the sun, it could coax life from the earth. I cowered at its force and its excruciating words, which were, is this what you really want? Suddenly, I felt another presence with us, the same presence that had been with me when I first crossed over into death and who had reviewed my life with me. I recognized that he had been with us the whole time, but that I was only now becoming able to perceive him. What I could see were bits of light coming through the darkness. The rays of light penetrated me with incredible force, with the power of an all-consuming love. And I had to ask myself, why me? Why was it that I could see God while the vacant husk of a man next to me could not? Why was I absorbing the light and being taught while he was hunkering down in misery and darkness? I was told that the reason is willingness. End quote. Again, I've got it uh, linked to Angie's complete story on the Post at TomVanderwell.com this morning. In today's chapter, we have the beginning of the ancient story of Gideon, 
in which God calls Gideon to lead the Hebrew tribes against their enemies. What struck me as I meditated on the chapter was the structure of the interchange between the angel of the Lord and Gideon. Let me give it to you real quick. So Gideon expresses doubt that God is even around. Gideon then expresses another doubt that God would call him, since he's from the weakest clan of his tribe and Gideon is the least of his family. Gideon asks for a sign that what God is telling him is true. So God provides the sign and Gideon builds an altar in response. God tells Gideon to tear down his father's altar to the idol Baal and the idolatrous Asherah pole that was next to it. And then sacrifice a bull on another altar that Gideon would build to the Lord. So Gideon does this, but for fear of his own people and the people in the town, he does it in the darkness of night. Well, when called out by his people for his deed, when they discover this, the Spirit of God comes upon Gideon and he calls his people to rise up against their enemies. Now, despite his doubts and his fears, his people answer favorably. They're willing to follow him. So what's Gideon's response? Well, he expresses doubts again and asks for another sign, which God answers. And then he expresses his doubts again and asks God for another sign, and God answers. You know, last year when I was making this chapter day trek through the Psalms, I discussed the fact that the ancient Hebrews loved to plant metaphorical structure in their writing. And in the Psalms, the central theme to the song lyrics is often at the very center of the Psalm with corresponding or contrasting themes that come before it or after it. Well, today's chapter has similar symmetry to it. If you, if you outline the chapter, there are two episodes of Gideon's doubt and request for a sign that God answers. Then There's a command to tear down his father's idols, offer a sacrifice to God, which Gideon does despite his fears. Then God miraculously raises Gideon to a position of leadership. His people agree to follow. But then there are two more episodes of Gideon's doubt and request for another sign. In other words, the only thing that Gideon brought to the story was right smack dab in the middle. His willingness despite his fears, to tear down the idols and make a sacrifice to God. And that made me think of God telling Angie Fenimore that the reason she was able to see his light in the darkness of that hellish realm, all the poor souls around her could not see it, was because she was willing to see him. So in the quiet this morning, I couldn't help but think of myself my own fearful doubts about the things to which God has called me. I mean, I'm no different than Gideon. My journals are full of letters I've written to God expressing doubts, focusing on my weaknesses, recalling my many shortcomings, and asking yes for signs. I want to see the signs before I believe. God always reminds me, ironically, of doubting Thomas who refused to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead until he saw the nail holes from the crucifixion and the place where the Roman spear pierced his side. To whom Jesus answered the doubts, gave him the sign, just as he did Gideon. But then he told doubting Thomas, blessed are those who never see the sign, 
but they still believe. And that's where I find myself standing at the beginning of this, a new day in my life journey. Am I willing to step out in faith and pursue the things to which God has called me? Or will I stand still, distract myself with other things, and wait for a sign? I hope you are well wherever this Chapter of Day podcast finds you, my friend. Have a good one. We'll be back in a moment.